that. Uh, I go to the university church occasionally, and they never ask me if I have anything that I'd like to pray about. I can't understand why they don't do that. And I think it's a very rare privilege to be able to go to a church where you can actually ask the congregation to pray for you. And this, the members of this church are very, very gifted in many ways. I was outside listening to the opening song being sung by Madeline, and I was, as I listened to the words of that hymn, they're so beautiful, I was crying inside when I listened to that. And then I listened to Madeline's voice and I thought, how can someone sing like that? It's an amazing voice. And uh, Jonathan and Melissa, who are playing the organ and piano. Melissa, how many instruments have you played in your life? <laughs> which, which ones, the piano and what else? Violin. Violin. Ukulele, is that all? That's about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I say, is that all? Because I don't play any instruments and she plays three. And I understand that your husband plays even more. And so we have some incredibly gifted people here. And I believe all of you have many, many gifts. Um, I know the, our head elder here, Daniel, uh, I was at home last night minding my own business. <laughs> And he calls me up and says, the roads might be frozen over or black ice or, or impassable to a regular two-wheel drive car. So I'm going to make arrangements for someone with a four-wheel drive car to pick you up. And I said, oh, okay. And so this morning, uh, Madeline drives up in a four-wheel drive vehicle and Jonathan and Melissa were along. And we all got rides up the mountain. So I, I'm very grateful to Daniel for arranging that. Now, they don't provide chauffeurs for me when I go to the university church. <laughs> so there's a lot of things going on here that don't happen at the bigger churches. And I'm, I'm really grateful to be here. And we're going to eat. And we, yeah, we get really good food here. This, has, this is the best potluck that I've ever been to. Now, I, I've gone to like Filipino churches and other churches, and they claim to have really, really good food, but I still like the food here better. It's, they have, we have really nice salads and other things. Uh, so this is, I think this is a great church. Now, m the title of my sermon today is The Living Ten Commandments. Now, to me, the Ten Commandments are not a static document that was given to us 30. 500 years ago or 3,000 years ago, and it hasn't changed and developed. I believe that it was an initial and partial revelation of God's character, and that all through the history of the Bible, the character of God is being revealed more and more. And at the foundation of the character of God is love. If you don't believe that God loves you, then Christianity doesn't make any sense. You have to believe that God loves you. And I believe that God loves, you, loves me. I have no idea why. I can't, I can't think of anything that's, that's wonderful about myself that he would love. But he loves me anyway, in spite of who I am, in spite of all my faults. And we all need to be loved. And I've been, I was married like 20 or 25 years before I realized 
I know this sounds really stupid, before I realized that my wife needs to be loved. She needs to be cared for and know that she's cherished. And, and I think I've told you this story before. After I was, we were married about five years, my wife said to me, do you love me? And my answer, I was kind of insulted by her question. I, I said, look, I told you I loved you when we got married. How many times do I have to tell you? <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, I was like, I was indignant, you know. And I just didn't get it. That this is something you have to do. Love expresses itself continuously in 10,000 different ways. It's not something you, you do once and you're done. Okay, I, I've been there, done that. Okay, you have to be expressing it every day. And I mean, and if you don't, you're in trouble. If you don't express love every day. I was talking yesterday to an acquaintance of mine whose husband, this is a woman, her husband decided that he wanted to become an actor. So he moved to Hollywood, left her behind. He hasn't called her or spoken with her for a year. And she's called him, but she says when she calls him, he goes, what do you want? Why are you calling me? I don't want to be tied down. I don't want to be burdened with all of this. And so he's just like, doesn't want to have anything to do with her. And he's been kind of actually mean to her. And so she told me that this week she filed for a divorce because she's been essentially abandoned. And, but there's kind of a moral to the story. You have to, you know, if you're married, you have to be constantly showing love. And, and, and that's not something that I, I understood. Now. I mean, it took me 20 years to figure this out. Um, and so on this recent, I, for example, for many years, I wouldn't give my wife roses or flowers on Valentine's Day because, you know, it's a pagan holiday. And, and being a good conservative Adventist, we, you know, we don't, don't do that. But I finally, yes. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I was, I, here, here I am misinformed about that. Um, well, thank you. Um, but so anyway, for a long time, I didn't give flowers. And like this year, Valentine's coming along, and I finally, the light has come on. You know, you're supposed to be nice to your spouse. And so I went out and I bought a dozen red roses, a dozen um, pink roses, and I bought a dozen uh, tulips and got her a box of candy, and I got her some new hiking shoes. I'm hoping she'll go hiking with me. And uh, so I got her a few, I got her some other things. Um, she wanted a massage. She says when she gets home from work, she's really tired, so she, she wants a massage. And so I went out and got her. I found this water pick massage shower head. So I, it's not, it's a poor substitute for a massage, but... So anyway, I got her those things. And I mean, I don't do this every year, but I'm trying to make up for lost time. Um, but love has to be continuously displayed. And I believe that God continuously displays his love for us. It wasn't something he just did at creation. 
It's not like he said, look, I showed you I loved you when I made you. What, what more do you want? No, but every day he is showing his love. Um, I mean, there's many, many references. I printed out just, I looked up the word forsaken or abandoned in my Bible search, and it came up with about 40 different references. And if you, if you, I'm not going to read them all to you. I'll read a few to them. I think one of my favorites is in Isaiah. And it says, but now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I summoned you by name. You are mine. I mean, these are the words of a, almost like a, a love story. I have summoned you, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba for your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight. Now, can you imagine that? The God who created heaven and earth, he's telling us, you are precious and honored in my sight. That's astonishing. Astonishing to me. Isaiah 43. You were precious and honored in my sight because I love you. It doesn't say because I loved you in the past and Love is the present tense, ongoing. Because I love you, I will give men in exchange for you and people in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. So he's saying he loves us, he cares for us, and it's gotten to the point now, you know, I'm starting to believe him because, I mean, I, I work with other professionals, other doctors. I'm a dentist, and I work with other dentists. And uh, some of these people are so gifted and talented that when they pray, they're praying to God. They don't ask for his blessings. They're blessing him. And they're advising and counseling him. And, you know, they, these, some of them are just incredibly arrogant. And um, I don't know, have you ever noticed that with some doctors, that they are holier than the, the Almighty? But so anyway, I, and some of them disagree with me, and they argue with me, and they tell me I'm wrong. And, and I've had many of them recommend to the dean that I be fired and dismissed and and this happens so frequently now that when they say something like that, I just tell them, you do whatever you think is best. You just go ahead. Because I know nothing will come from it. Because it's happened so many times that they'll go to the dean and they'll complain about me. And, and one of the fellows who did that, the dean says, over my dead body, now get out of my office. And he just sends them away. And so I've kind of learned through experience that God is protecting me. Amen. And I, I feel really privileged to know that. And I, and I count on that now. I count on his continuous protection.
And I mean, I do a lot of things at work that other people don't do. I mean, I, free, I will stay after to help the other students. And it's not unusual, I'll be there till 6.30, 7.30, sometimes 10.30 trying to help. And I'm astonished he blesses my efforts to help them. Now, what, how are the ways that God shows his loves for us? Well, give me an example. Wonderful. I just went, okay, we've had frost every, every night for a long time, but I am confident that warm weather is coming because he said that, that summer and winter will not fail. You know, and these global warming people, it says we're, we're going to burn up or freeze to death or whatever they're, they're you know, I, I kind of take that with a grain of salt because God has promised us that summer and winter will not fail. So I went out yesterday and I went to the nursery and I bought some tomato plants and, and some um, bell peppers and other plants. And I'm keeping them inside, but as soon as we get a little warm weather, now it is warmer in Loma Linda, I'm going to start planting and I'm, gonna, I'm hoping to plant by mid-March, I'm going to start planting my garden because by August, it gets so hot, I cannot keep the garden water. I have to water it twice a day and everything dies. It goes up to like 105 degrees. And so I'm going to try to get in early and get my crops before August and then I just have to abandon it. It's too hot in August, but anyway, God shows this love in many ways by the commandments, by the weather he sends to us. Um, he also gives us warnings. For example, in Revelation 21, verse 8, they're, they're talking about who's going to go to heaven. And it says, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Now, you know, this list starts out with the cowardly. And I look back, have I ever been afraid? Many times. But the Lord says we shouldn't be cowardly. We shouldn't be afraid. It talks about those who practice magic arts. I mean, I know so many people, young people, that, that loved Harry Potter and all, all the books associated with that. Well, those are magic arts as far as I'm concerned. I think that's a very dangerous path. Now, God also showed his love for us by sending us Christ. Christ is the light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. That's John 1.9. As through Christ every human being has life, so also through him every soul receives a ray of divine light. Not only intellectual, but spiritual power, a perception of right, a desire for goodness. We cannot resist evil. I'm, I'm paraphrasing Ellen White from the book Education. But it is only through the power of Christ that we can resist evil. That power is Christ. Cooperation with that power is man's greatest need. So God has sent us, shows his love for us in many, many different ways. The music that we heard this morning blessed me. 
and encouraged me. And I'm grateful for Dan's always looking after me. I mean, my mother once told me that I can't take care of myself and I need someone to take care of me because I'm, I'm kind of a lost cause, she said. And I have people like Dan who, who are t trying to take care of me and I really appreciate that. And I'm gonna, actually when I was going through my sermon, I collected so much material about God's love that I thought this, is, this sermon is gonna take three hours. So I hope you don't mind staying a little longer, do you? <laughs> but anyway, I'm gonna skip the, about two hours of this and I'm gonna go to the chase scene here because um, I know you probably wanna get lunch soon. But I wanna get back to the, the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are a reflection of God's character. And there are principles behind each of the commandments. Let's look at um, the one that says, thou shalt not steal. Now what does that mean? What does it mean when it says, thou shalt not steal? Can someone give me a definition or a, go please? Right. And that can, someone can borrow something, say they give it back, and maybe years later you find where they lost it. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, I've had uh, lots of people borrow things from me and I never see them again. And uh, like I, when I lend books to people, I write on the cover page of the book, this book once belonged to James Trott. <laughs> A little hint that I'd like them to return it. They usually don't, but anyway, I write that in there. And I have to admit I've borrowed books that I haven't returned to other people, and I, I, I feel really guilty about that. Um, some of the people are no longer living. I don't know how to get it back to them. But, you know, so, but basically the commandment says we should not steal from others. But if we look at the commandment as an expression of God's character, and we assume that there's principles involved here, what, what do these, well, how does this play out? What are the implications of this? If we're not supposed to steal, doesn't that also imply and suggest that we should so train and discipline ourselves so that we can make an honest living so we don't have to steal? So what the Ten Commandments is really is saying, and beyond its mere words, the implications of it, the principles, not only should we not steal, but we should train ourselves, get a good education so that we don't have to steal. And I mean, there's a, a Jewish proverb that says, if you don't teach your son your trade, you are teaching him to be a thief. So we, we have an obligation to train ourselves and our children so that they can earn a good income. And now this, is, this becomes a responsibility, this commandment which says thou shalt not steal, embedded in, this, in the principles of that is the responsibility that we have to train our children to have a good education so that they can go out and make a good living and make a co positive contribution to society. Now, it doesn't mean just our children. It means all children need to get a good education. 
Now, the Adventist Church has, I think, the second largest educational system of any church in the world. The Catholic Church has, a, has more schools than we do, although they're losing many of them. But we have an obligation to train young people. And I'm glad to see that there are young people here who have been trained in the Adventist schools. Now, I am personally extremely grateful for the Adventist education system. As you know, um, when I graduated from college, I had a 2.4 GPA or something like that. It was just not terribly good. I mean, it was actually terrible. And, uh, and I applied to dental school, but they told me that I needed to get more prerequisites like biology. I was an engineering student, so they, you have to take biology and organic chemistry. So I went back to La Sierra, and I took classes at La Sierra, and I got a 3.8 GPA at, at La Sierra. So I, in, in public schools, my, I mean, I was in the lower third of my class when I graduated. And when I went to La Sierra and finally to dental school, I graduated, I, I was 12, number 12 out of 94. Actually, when I started dental school, there were 1,700 people that applied, and academically, I was number 1,700 out of 1,700 according to GPA. I had the lowest GPA of anybody applied. I have no idea why they accepted me, and, but they did. And, and I went from the very, very bottom of the class to the top 15% or so. And, and so, and it was because of all the help that I got. When I was in school, my professors would come on Sundays and sit down with me and help me study, help me do my lab work. I mean, I got mentoring from people with PhDs. I never paid for any of this. And, I, and that's one of the reasons today when I, when I am a teacher now at the school, I go in on Sundays and help them. Sometimes I'll stay there. If they have a project due, I'll stay there till 1030 at night. And the students tell me they're very grateful. Now my, my fellow professors have told me, in fact, the clinic manager director told me, I saw you in the clinic at 5.30. What were you doing here after 5 o'clock? I don't want to see you here after 5 o'clock because if you stay, they're going to expect me to stay, and that's not going to happen. So I want you out of here at 5. Well, I just ignore him, and I stay as long as, as anybody needs to. And uh, I think he'd have a hard sell to go to the dean and say, we have someone who's staying and helping the students after 5 o'clock. I want you to fire him. I don't think the dean would. <laughs> Probably wouldn't take that too seriously. Now, but the ten, this commandment says, thou shalt not steal, goes beyond, we shouldn't steal. It goes beyond, we need to train ourselves. It goes beyond, we have to train our children, and not just our children, but all children, so that they can be honest. But it, it's saying that the way I read it, and, and you might say this is called speculative philosophy or speculative religion, and you might disagree with it. It's always difficult to speculate. But I believe that this commandment also says that we're supposed to work hard and be frugal and save so that when people come to us who are in need, we don't have to turn them away. I mean, Christ says when someone comes to you 
and, and ask for help, don't, you know, don't turn them away. Try to, try to be a blessing to them. And, you know, that is, this, this one commandment, which sounds relatively simple, thou shalt not steal, the implications of that, if you assume that it's a reflection of God's character, it has very broad-reaching implications, extremely broad. These implications are so broad that they're, they're almost boundless. In whatever situation you find yourself in, if you are, you know, it says, thou shalt not steal, what's the opposite of stealing? Being generous. and It's, it's really saying that we're supposed to be generous and helpful and courteous and building, each, building other people up. And that's what the commandment means. It means not only you're not supposed to steal, but you're supposed to be a blessing to everyone so that when they see the good works that you do, they will praise God and thank God. And they'll say, oh, so this is what a Christian is supposed to be doing. This is what it means to be a Christian. Now, we can look at any of the commandments. I'll just do one more. Uh, I won't go through all ten today. But look at the one, thou, thou shalt not kill. Now, it, it of course means we're not supposed to kill anybody. But Christ explained this in more detail when he said, if you hate someone in your heart, you've already committed murder against them. So, please. All right. Um, we're not supposed to kill animals. Uh, God created the animals. We're supposed to take care of them. I mean, I've heard uh, there was flooding. I used to live in Northern California, and there was some flooding going on there. And when the floods came and it started filling up the fields where the cows were, uh, if someone walked through the fields or was, they saw a human being, they would, the animals would rush toward the human being in the hopes that somehow they would save them. And, and I, I myself, I was taking a walk through Angwin, California one day, and there were cows in a field, a barbed wire fence, keeping them in. And one of the calves had slipped underneath the, the barbed wire fence and couldn't get back in where its mother was. And it was, you know, crying, and the mother was trying to figure out how to get across this barbed wire fence. And I just happened to be walking by, and so this calf sees me and follows, starts following me. It assumed that I was going to help. And, and so I'm going, you know, how do I... So this, cow, this little calf followed me, and I kept walking, and I finally got to the end, and I saw a gate there. So I just opened the gate, and the cow followed, and I walked through, and then the little calf followed me, and then I closed the gate, and the calf turned around and looked at me and kind of went, you know, like, wow, that was really nice. And, and I've had... Um, Three dogs follow me home, and I've had about four or five cats. I mean, a couple months ago, we were out walking, and some cat just followed, followed us home. I think, you know, if you're living this commandment, thou shalt not kill, and you're, and you're taking care of animals, can sense that. And they will, I had three kittens once follow me home for about a mile. I didn't even know they were following me. And I looked, you know, and people were walking by me, 
And they were all laughing at me. And I said, why? why? Finally, the pastor of the church, one of the pastors of the university church walks, he was jogging and he goes by and he's laughing at me. And I said, why is everybody laughing at me? And he goes, look behind you. And I looked behind, there were three little kittens following me home. And so I, you know, I took them home, we found homes for them. But you know, animals can tell. If you have this, if the spirit of God dwells within you, even the animals know. They can tell. Right. And you know, if you have if you have this kind I have I work with students and I work with a few that have they're always smiling and they're they're happy and the patient comes in, they examine the patient and they smile and they turn around and they explain what's going on. The, the illness or sickness that the patient has, but they're smiling. And the patients think, well, it can't be very serious because the doctor looks, looks happy. And so there's hope for me. And I have other students that frown all the time. They're unhappy, they're grumpy, they're tired. Um, someone mentioned here, you know, if daddy comes home and he's grumpy, that never happens. But um, Sometimes, you know, these students that don't, don't smile, I actually said to one recently that wasn't smiling, he was looking at the x-rays and frowning, and then he turned around and frowned and started explaining this to the patient. And I took him aside and I said, are you trying to kill this patient? What are you trying to do? You know, when you look unhappy like that, you discourage the patient. You make them think that they're really sick. You need to smile and look hopeful what people need more than anything is encouragement. You know, I've been a, working with people for 37 years as a dentist, and what people really need more than anything is encouragement and hope. And if you can give them that, then you're a success in whatever profession you're in, especially as a doctor. So not only we're we not supposed to kill people and don't harm them, well, Mrs. White explains it this way. She says, insofar as we harm anyone in any way, we have to a greater or lesser extent violated the commandment that says thou shalt not kill. So if we discourage someone or harm them or belittle them in any way, I mean, that's why it says if you call someone a fool, you will answer for it in hell. I'm paraphrasing Christ's words. So not only are we not supposed to harm them, we're supposed to encourage them. And if we harm them in any way, we are violating the commandment that says thou shalt not kill. I mean, I work with, with HIV patients, and some of them, may God forgive them, are promiscuous. And they're not only spreading HIV and AIDS, but syphilis is, is coming up. Gonorrhea is coming up. Human papillomavirus has gotten to be, there's an epidemic in England among men of oral cancers, and many of them caused by the human papillomavirus. And I mean, this is something that's never been seen before. And they're getting oral cancers from this. And I, I almost wish I could tell these people, look, you are harming your friends who you pretend claim to love because you're spreading disease. The incidence of syphilis has gone up 49% in Alaska in the last five years. I mean, there's an epidemic of disease. 
I mean, I am grateful that I'm not a physician, a young physician today, because I feel sorry for you, because you are going to see some horrible and terrible diseases ahead. Things are going to get really difficult. And, but I am also confident that the Lord will give you the wisdom and the strength to recognize and to know what to do. Well, rather than killing, going back to the commandment says, thou shalt not kill, we should be doing the opposite of that. We should be helping others. Now, this concept of, of being a blessing through the health is the Adventist health message. So you could almost say, and I could argue, that our health message is based on this commandment, thou shalt not kill. Rather than harming others, we're supposed to be uh, being a blessing to them, healing them, and teaching them how they can live their life by following Christ so that they don't harm themselves. Now, not only should we not be harming other people, but I believe that this commandment is saying that we should ever be searching for ways to help other people and to be a blessing to them, to encourage them uh, to do good for, for others. I mean, I carry around jumper cables in my car. I, I have a fairly new battery, I'm not worried. But if I see somebody with their car is stalled, I'll try to, try to help them. I, I, was, I carry, sometimes I carry a fire extinguisher in my car. And I carry crowbars in my car. If somebody's trapped in their vehicle, it's overtoned, I wanna be able to pry the doors open and get them out. Now, I didn't always carry crowbars with me, but I was driving to Clear Lake, outside Clear Lake, California. There's a road that goes from Napa towards Clear Lake. It's called the Highway of Death. And every year, there's like three or four people that are killed on this highway. I've seen three, I myself have seen three people killed on this highway, driving to and from work. There was a Japanese uh, man and a woman, an older man and woman, from Japan, and I guess in Japan they drive on the other side of the road. And so they rented a car and they're driving down the highway of death and, and they, there's not a lot of traffic and so they got on the wrong side of the road and they were going up over a hill just as another car, the other car was going about 90 miles an hour and the two cars collided head on. And the people, they were in this little Toyota Corolla or some little car and they, there was no hope. They were gone. I've seen cars wrapped around trees on this highway. But, so I thought, okay, you know, somebody's trapped. So I carry a crowbar. I, was, I carry a, a fire extinguisher in my car, and I was driving in Burbank on the freeway, and I saw smoke ahead. You can always tell it's a car fire because it's this rich black smoke. I mean, it's really foul-looking smoke. And there was a car on fire ahead, and there were, it was, looks like Mexican immigrants, they didn't speak English and they didn't know what to do and their car's on fire. And I went out with the fire extinguisher and in about 30 seconds put the fire, their engine was on fire. And it was like, they were like, wow. And my, I was dry, it was at lunchtime and I was, it was coming back from a restaurant to go back to work. And my boss happened to be driving by and when I got back to work, he goes, I saw you on the freeway. What were you doing? <laughs> How do you, you know, why? I saw you put that fire out. 
And he was, he was almost like he was upset with me. But, you know, we have to be finding ways to be a blessing. And I believe the Adventist health message is founded in part on this commandment. We are supposed to go out and rather than harm, to heal people and to encourage them and to teach them about the love of God, to demonstrate the love of God and teach them how they can take better care of themselves. So, now, how did, you know, when I, I just, I was reading the book Education and she's explaining that she says things like, insofar as we harm others, we are violating this commandment. And I started thinking about, well, what, what are the other implications? And I think when we read the Bible, we need to ask ourselves, I've written down 12 or 13 different principles involved that we should follow when we read the Bible. I'm not going to go through them all, but we should ask ourselves, how does this story or this law or this principle reflect the love of God? How does it express his character? And what are the implications of this? Is there more to it? I mean, I'm, I'm constantly amazed that no matter how much I know, God always has more to teach me and show me. And like when I started looking at the Ten Commandments, the one that says, thou shalt not steal, and I realized that it really means we're supposed to try to get a good education, make sure that others get a good education so they don't have to steal. When I started thinking about the implications of this, I realized that every story in the Bible has unwritten implications. And there's much more to the story than that's going on. But God reveals truths to us by stories. Now, when I read this, I, my first thought was, this is astonishing. And I felt blessed that God was revealing this to me. Because I never thought about these things before. I mean, I had a pastor come up to me once and said, so, and he was teasing me, kind of needling me a little bit. He said, so, have you been good? And I thought, well, I haven't broken any of the commandments so far this morning. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. But um, I think that, that the commandments are so much broader than the mere words initially suggest that we have much more to grow and to do. And so now when I read the Bible, I'm not just reading the words and looking at, okay, I do that, I do that, I'm good. You know, I haven't killed anybody uh, lately, although I wonder sometimes the way I drive. Um, you know, I think that I'm good, but, but the commandments are so much broader. The people who received the Ten Commandments were slaves, and God was teaching them the very basics of, you, of being kind and humane. And there's more involved in it. And when you go through the stories of the Bible as they unfold, and it gets to Christ. Christ says, love one another, do good. I mean, that goes, you go all the way from don't kill someone to show kindness to your enemies. I mean, there's this progression through the Bible from the Old Testament to the New, an unfolding of God's character, of his will for us. And he wants us to reflect that character. 
He wants us to become his ambassadors, his spokesmen and women, his apostles, his, his apologists to everyone we meet. And so I believe that he has a work for us. Each of us have different gifts. I mean, Madeline can sing like an angel. In fact, I suspect that angels are jealous of her voice. And I, I really believe that. And I think that, that you know, the, Char the Charlies here, they have some incredible musical gifts. And our first elder is a wonderful administrator. I think all of you have wonderful gifts. And I'm, I'm really astonished by this church. Not only you are gifted, but you share your gifts with others. You use them to be a blessing to each other. I mean, when I go to the university church, I, there's a lot of gifted people there, but I kind of feel not like, I kind of feel like, you know, I don't fit in here. I don't belong. These people are so talented and gifted. I, you know, but, but all of you here in this church are using your, to make people feel welcome. And I really appreciate that a lot. I don't think you realize how much good you're doing in this church. You really are. So I want to thank you all for that. Now, these commandments, when it says thou shalt not kill, it's really saying you should be a blessing to other people. You should be helping them and encouraging them. Mrs. Mrs. White, when she talks about the building of the sanctuary in the wilderness, said it was a stupendously difficult task, requiring gold and precious materials. But she goes on to say that it was not only God's purpose to build a temple, a physical temple, but to make where God could reside, but he wanted to train the people of Israel so he could reside in their hearts, so that each of us could be a dwelling place for the Spirit of God. You know, we can be dwelling places for, for either the Spirit of God or the Spirit of demons. Look at the, the story of the, the lunatic that Christ healed, drove the spirits out into the pigs. Okay, we can be a dwelling place for spirits, either for good or for evil. Now, God has a work for us to do. The temple that he's trying to build, the temple that was built in the wilderness, the temple in Jerusalem, are types of the temples he wants us to become. He wants us to be a temple, a residence for the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to close with this passage from 1 Chronicles 28, verse 10. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a temple as a sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. He will bless us. He will give us the strength. All of his promises are enablings. He doesn't ask us to do anything that he doesn't give us the strength for. So I'm asking you, in closing, to make yourselves a temple for the residents of the Holy Spirit so that you can go out and do good works to animals, to friends, to neighbors, so that they will give praise to God for what you have done. May God bless you. 
May God strengthen you and help you to understand what wonderful things he has in store for you. Thank you very much. Let's have a closing prayer. Um, Daniel, could you have a closing prayer, please?